0: Am I an investable entity at this point, at this age, is, it has been an ongoing question.
1: Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. Hello again, this is Dan Putt from Reboot. I was sitting at the OBGYN office on the corner of 53rd and Lex in October of 2013. And this was our first appointment in our very first pregnancy. We were sitting in this very, very New York City office space, one where a drywall had been put up in what probably was one room to make it two. But there was one thing in this room that really caught my attention, and that was the fluorescent lights. They were buzzing so loudly. Bzzz. And when I looked up at them, I felt the blood drain out of my face and my heart rate accelerated. And I heard this voice and said, you are destined to work beneath these lights for the rest of your life. Bzzz. Now that seems like quite a leap. And it was. But follow me for a second. My second investor back startup, one that I've spoken about many times before here, was on the edge of collapse. And I really felt like my time as an entrepreneur was over. No more chances would be taken on me, and I could no longer afford to take them, especially with a baby on the way. My life would really have to be one of what-ifs and should-haves and fluorescent lights. My chance to really have an impact felt like it was over. Really, my chance to do my part and help make the world a better place for my daughter and others was over. Bzzz. That memory came flooding back to me as I listened to our guest, Tariq, speak with Jerry. He too is feeling his mortality and feeling the frustration of failed expectations and unrealized possibilities. And he's now facing the fact that something he once took as a sure thing, a life of impact, may not ultimately happen. Jerry and Tariq talk about his recently closed startup, one that was by all accounts crushing it, to use one of our favorite phrases. And they uncover his superpower, one that he feels is capable of helping so many, but perhaps is being squandered. But what if this isn't the case? What if by staring into the buzzing fluorescent lights, we may blind ourselves to the very thing we say we want to see? Hi, my name is Bobby Brannigan. I'm the CEO of Mercado.
0: We're a food marketplace for independent retailers. So if you're on the fence of going to a boot camp, I would say that not going is probably one of the worst decisions you'll ever make because you really don't know, you know, how much it's gonna benefit you until you go to one. And you can ask anybody who's gone to one. I'm saying any single person you ask, they're gonna rave about it. Because I haven't heard of anybody who's gone that hasn't valued it very highly. We're only hosting one CEO and co-founder bootcamp in 2017. It will be held March 30th through April 2nd in Boulder, Colorado. The application deadline is just around the corner on November 15th, but if you want to ensure your spot, I highly suggest you apply today. Our last two bootcamps filled well before the registration deadline. You can learn more and apply at reboot.io slash bootcamps.
2: I want to think again of dangerous and noble things. I want to be light and frolicsome. I want to be improbable, beautiful, and afraid of nothing, as though I had
0: wings. Mary Oliver from Owls and Other Fantasies, Poems and Essays.
2: Hey, Tariq, it's good to see you again, and good to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. How are you? Oh, I'm good.
0: Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be here.
2: Good. Hey, before we get started, can you just take a minute and tell us however you want to introduce yourself and how you want to des- describe things?
0: Yeah, so my name is Tariq Karula. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I've been working in the tech scene in New York for over a decade. Um, I have built multiple companies here in New York and launched dozens of products, some successfully and uh, to acclaim. <laughs> And I'm uh, recently shutting down both a product and a company that I've been working on for several years. And, and that was, uh, that
2: the name of that company is Catch with a K, is that right?
0: Actually, the name of the company is Mahaya, M A A Y A. And um, Catch was the final product in a suite of three products that we took to market. Oh. And sort of the organizing principle of Mahaya was, was really simple, and very ambitious. We wanted to make sense of every moment in the world. Mm. And we wanted to do that because we felt like there were a confluence of some really interesting things happening specifically around mobile technology. There's sort of a ubiquity of mobile phones now capturing photos, capturing videos, tweeting, checking in. And we thought the confluence of that data with some research that my co-founder had done would be a really interesting place to potentially change how we tell stories and how we understand our world. Mm-hmm. And so the first product really worked on video and attempted to basically time sync mobile videos and that was that was sort of our our core product Mahaya. Mm-hmm. We learned a bunch of stuff in that and took that learning into our second product which was called Scene and in a nutshell what Scene was doing was taking doing natural language processing and real-time data analysis on tweets and Instagrams and building automatic collections, Um, basically like automatic Snapchat stories. Mm. Uh, We launched before Snapchat stories, and that was a really cool product, and we got some really interesting traction in there. There's a whole story about that, of course. But ultimately what we came up with was a pivot back into video, a real excitement around video. We launched Catch three weeks after Meerkat launched, And it came out of a company hack day and it just took off like wildfire. Mm. So the third product catch uh, very simply was a way to automatically save and discover live video. We were building sort of a Hulu for live streaming Mm -hmm. and we got a lot of early traction and continued that sort of traction. So so at peak, we were serving 20 years of video a month to 1.3 million monthly active users. And the average video uploaded to Catch would get uh, 100 views. And we had an archive of 2 million videos. So uh, we also sort of really managed to pioneer a couple really interesting technologies within that space, like real-time faceted search, automatic collection building, distribution through embeds and clipping, and things like that.
2: And, And we met just recently at the Northside Festival in Brooklyn, in which David Mandel from Pivot Desk and I were talking about depression and entrepreneurship. And I just want to name that that you were one of the first people to raise your hand in response to a question. But we very, very quickly focused on some of the challenges for you. So, because uh, you were just fresh with shutting down Catch. Yep. And I want to note that that enthusiastic description of everything that you were doing with the company If I could if I could describe for the listeners your face, it was an enormous amount of pride. We were super
0: super I mean just to give a a very you know, and and I was thinking when I was saying this, you know, this is like how are Jerry's listeners even gonna be interested in this stuff, but look, we were passionate Deeply mm. passionate about the space. Mm-hmm. Um, my co-founder and I had been working in location-based media products for a decade. Mm. You know, we'd been building everything from wayfinding to photo-taking bicycles. Mm. More more, uh, who is my co-founder, launched the first location API on the web called mm. Fire Eagle. And, you know, we just really see a lot of potential in this space. I think a lot of the things that we felt when we launched this company are starting to come to fruition now and I think will come to fruition in years hence and um, none of that passion is gone you know so <laughs> so but what is gone yeah well the company <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs> the thing, thing unfortunately that is gone is the company that we founded to sort of build some of these ideas in that space you know and that's a long multi-year journey so I don't want to bore you <laughs> with, with all the details but what can I tell you about that
1: well
2: i I, I, th- I think what would be Helpful to talk through it. I'm wondering if it would be helpful for you as well to sort of process what was going on. One of the things that occurs to me, you know, we were, we were joking a little bit before we started recording and that was, you know, saying to you one of my famous lines, which is, we're, we're not going to have this b- bullshit around, quote, we're crushing it. You know, yeah. that whole milieu in the startup industry where everybody's crushing it all the time. But, Here's the truth. It feels like you guys were crushing it and you shut it down. Yeah. And that feels like a paradox. (laughs) That sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, if you look at the data, if you look at the statistics, if you look at the quality of what you had brought forth, you were crushing it and you were naming some really important trends or identifying some really important trends early on in the process, you were quote the the archetype of the being ahead of your time. I mean, you're, you're talking, by the way, to the one of the investors who brought out the first search engine,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Lycos.
0: Right? Yeah, and oh, Google. Wow. Right. It nerd out for a while on this stuff because we really wanted to build PageRank for media. Right. And you know, I mean, like, how cool would that be? And how. How powerful would that be in the world for understanding our stories and telling our history, but I want to get back to the part that you said to yeah. you know cut out the bullshit and and really you know tell people what's going on so right. we started the company with a simple premise, and the idea was, can you combine lean startup principles with academic research mm. and commercialize a product in a market mm. right? And you know the answer to that is Jerry, probably not you know. You know, running a lean startup is hard enough. And then trying to bring in deep research that requires really heavy computation, it it requires investment on infrastructure and engineering, right? And our team, the biggest we ever got was five. And my team was amazing. I mean, these are amazing engineers, designers, product people, community people. But that is not a big enough team to be working at the scale that we were thinking. Mm -hmm. And another consequence of that was we're re- really using data and APIs from other platforms and other companies, mm-hmm. you know, and we continually ran into friction and static with those companies. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I could tell you gory details and horror stories, you know, of of what that's like. But at the end of the day, you know, we didn't own we didn't we didn't own that media, and we didn't own the and and we were just going to keep coming up against that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did, you know, and ultimately the reason we're shutting Catch down is because, look, we outlasted Meerkat, but Meerkat got clipped, you know. You know, investors were getting increasingly scared about the, the amount of competition in that space and the amount of investment by the big platforms in that space. Facebook Live launched with replays. Meerkat was dead. We were looking increasingly like we were a feature of Periscope. And honestly our, our relationship with Twitter was pretty frosty at that point, mm. even though it had started off well. And all of that led to with I think current market conditions getting very close to closing around, but not, you know, ultimately not being able to do it, which is on me.
2: What do you mean it's on you?
0: That's well, my job, you know. I was CEO. I was CEO. My job's to keep that thing to keep, you know, food on the table and uh and, and build a future for, for our team and our investors and our users.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So this was your failure.
0: Well, it certainly felt, it certainly feels that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think one of the, you know, I, I don't know if this is right, but I can tell you what it's like for me is, you know, as a CEO, you feel responsible for everything. You know, I mean, I really do feel like the buck stopped with me, mm-hmm. you know, anything else would be lacking integrity in that job in that role um, so you know whenever there's a problem it's ultimately your problem even if one of your teammates you know one of your employees is having a problem you know it's a management problem and so you know it, it it's sort of like a hall of mirrors as a ceo things always get reflected back to you so it's hard not to to take this personally or to feel responsible for this for sure so how
2: have you handled that
0: um great question. You know, hopefully responsibly, uh, I, I feel that I had duties to users, uh, I had duties to employees, and I had duties to investors. And I'd like to think that I acted with integrity for all of those groups. When we realized that our odds of continuing or getting, you know, we, we got to a place where we might have been able to raise a round to keep us going for a while and we sat down and we said, you know, we're up against these behemoths. And without, without a serious round of funding, you know, that doesn't feel very realistic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we have, we have enough runway right now to build tools for our users to get their media off our platform. We promised them that we would save their stuff forever. And we're not going to be able to do that. How so, does that feel? Well, it felt fucking horrible. And then it felt great to try to live up to, you know, a promise that we made with our users. We had a very special relationship with our users. Um, I, it was it was an amazing community of folks. And if you go to the uh, the blog post on the shutdown, you'll notice there's like 90 comments there, and not one person is complaining. And that relationship, I think, was built out of, um, you know, trust and and constant engagement with them. So you know, it feels good to have been able to help some folks out in a bad situation.
2: Okay, I'm gonna ho- I'm gonna hold you there just for a moment, and I'm gonna slow you down because when we again before we started this, we had this interesting conversation, and you talked about your trepidation. Remember that your trepidation about coming on. And we talked about the fact that having this dialogue could be really helpful to other people. But we also talked about, and now I'm seeing a pattern here because Tariq being focused on helping other people is part of Tariq's pattern. We also talked about the fact that it's going to be helpful for you. And in this moment, I'm going to encourage us to just stay focused on you for the moment.
0: So that so the shutdown sucked sucked sucked. I Boy. mean uh, for a number of reasons, you know, there's so many career choices that I've made to get to this point and I don't feel there was a time in my career where I was making very independent choices that were paying off.
1: Mm.
0: And I don't feel that with this. You know, I feel a public you know, a public, uh, you know, this is a public reflection of my value. That's what it feels like, and that value is zero. <laughs> you said
2: you you said something too at the Northside Festival. I'm going to bring your attention back to that. Is that okay? Sure. You wondered in that moment, and I know that that was a few weeks ago, and you've had some more processing since then. But yeah. you wondered then is something about is this it? Yep. Say more so, about
0: that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm 44, and I think that, um, and I don't have an exit, mm. and you know, certainly in valley terms and in investor terms, you know, I think that's that's a badge that's missing on my <laughs> on my lapel, right? So, um, am I an investable entity at this point at this age? Is it has been an ongoing question. For what, is me. It,
2: what do you mean by at this age?
0: Well, so startups are a young person's game. And I think what I said at Northside was it's a young man's game. And I I don't mean to be gendered by that. Like, I don't believe that shit, Mm -hmm. but that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, certainly in the Valley, Mm -hmm. I think there's a, I think there's an unhealthy worship of youth in the industry. And I understand where it comes from too, Mm -hmm. you know, and look, I had to hire employees and I very much understand where it comes from. So, at the same time, I'm—I was watching an interview with an artist named Robert Irwin. He's a light artist. He's done a number of works, Dia Beacon and the Getty Garden. And num- he's 87 years old. This guy's doing the best work of his life now, and that's what I want to be. You know, I want to be vibrant and alive and doing the best work of my life at 87. And I feel like in Valley terms, you know, it's sort of like, sorry, kid. So.
2: So there's this conflict that you're feeling between what I would say is a kind of self-confident awareness of who you are that's kind of rattled by the external forces out there who might be judging you one way or the other. And they might, they might look at the touches of gray. I have a lot more gray than you. The touches of gray in your hair and your beard and say, really, is this guy done? I mean, sure, he came up with some great innovations, and he he can put a great technical team together, but he hasn't really scored. Am I giving voice to that anxiety? Yeah, you
0: put the nail on the head.
2: Right. So I want you to hang out in that space for a little bit. And I've come to know you a little bit and your positivity is beautiful, and it's infectious, it's probably one of your greatest leadership capabilities. And sometimes it can get in a way of you fully processing the grief and the fear. That grief, that fear, there's a power in that, my friend. You're right about the ageism that exists in our community. Just like there's racism, just like there's sexism, just like there's gender identity discomfort. All sorts of ways in which we uh, create the other. That is all true. But when we disallow ourselves the process of Being fully with the entire experience of who we are, we are also then complicit in a kind of diminishing of our own self. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So I take nothing away from the accomplishments and I applaud the beauty of the resiliency that you're showing. And I would encourage you to allow yourself to grieve. And as soon as I said that, your hands covered your mouth and you're, and you're don't worry, and you're, and you're, you're feeling it, aren't you? Tell me what you're feeling.
0: I think that, I think that life is short. I'd like to have an impact, Hmm. Um, a positive one. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get the chance. Hmm.
2: And perhaps that's the biggest grief that you're feeling. Is that right? Right.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Why is it so important to you to have an impact? Tell me your story
0: Tariq. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Jerry. Um I I've listened to a couple of the podcasts before this and you have some really really amazing folks on here and I do have a story. Um, look, bottom line is um I'm a witness You know, you ask people what their superpower is. That's my superpower. I see. I don't even know what to do with it half the time. Yeah.
2: What do you see, my friend?
0: Well, in technology terms, I see around corners. So... um. I see waves that are coming. Um, I see products that should be built. I see experiences we should be able to have. I see, in political terms, I see bullshit.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Or or rather, um, you know, my view doesn't get distorted by power.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So I can see through. um, Which can be honestly terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because I see a, a world that... Needs better leadership right now.
2: Amen, brother.
0: Interpersonally, I can see pain. Yeah. Um, But even beyond that, I think...
2: I'm with you. We're with you.
0: You know, I think people are cool.
2: Yeah, they are, aren't they? And you see their pain.
0: Also their potential. But I can see their hindrances and their light. Mm. So I don't know what to do with that shit, you know, Mm -hmm. but I would like to be able to share what I see. With the world.
2: Ah, and help people tell their stories.
0: Maybe. Or help tell the story of what it means to be alive, what it means to be here, and what it means to be human.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Bearing witness to being human. It's a radical superpower, my friend. weird one <laughs> oh it's a dear one it's a special one it's a precious one years and years ago I went on a vision quest and uh, it was during a period of deep and profound existential change for me and as it often happens in that ritual which has been borrowed and reshaped from Native people, I received a name. And that name is Holder of Stories of the Heart. So I know what it's like to bear witness.
0: I think it's been frustrating for me personally... And professionally, but this is, you know, what this is getting at is my inability to be able to act and manifest on what I see um, successfully or, you know, to be able to realize it. Um, I feel thwarted.
2: Because the it that you want to realize has to do with having it some sort of impact in the way in which people are able to live out their lives, their pain and their potential. Am I hearing that right?
0: Um, You know, I think it's to just sort of um, help people see the world more clearly, Hmm. help help us understand our stories and ourselves and, you know, ideally to inspire. Mm -hmm. You know, I think behind the idea of Mahaya was also a sense that we could record history, you know, without understanding where we're coming from, we're not going to know where we're going. Mm. And, you know, the ability to expose the world and get all those stories out there, I think, was really powerful for us. Mm. Mm. What does Mahaya mean? It means what happened in Hebrew. Ah.
2: (laughs) What a gorgeous, gorgeous word. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like It's important to remember Mahaya. Yeah. It's it's important to remember what happened. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a little mind, Jedi mind trick on you. Okay? These are not the droids you're looking for. Jerry, I want to have an impact. Jerry, I want to have meaning. I I, I don't want to be thwarted in helping people to remember Mahaya. Tell me again about the content of the comments on that Medium post. Tell me again how people responded to the way in which you shut down this business.
0: It's pretty crazy. Say more. (laughs) We thought um, we responded to every support ticket we got. So, you know, most days were just a steady stream of this is broken and that's broken. You guys suck. So we kind of expected that. And that's just it's not what we got. What did you get? Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what you guys do next.
2: So... Remembering Mahaya. what actually happened with the company? Yeah. What actually happened? I know that you didn't have a big exit. Yahoo didn't pay a billion dollars for you. What actually happened?
0: You know, we went out with some good ideas. Um, and some heart and, you know, we couldn't, we learned a lot. We learned a ton, um, had met some amazing people along the way and, uh, and, and weren't able to realize what we set out to do. So you didn't have the
2: impact that you thought you were going to have. Yeah. But those comments tell me something. They tell me you had an impact nonetheless, because you didn't just start out with heart. You ended with heart. Okay. And you know, that political suffering that you talked about, how there's a lack of leadership. Do you know what the essence of leadership is? It's not just starting a company with heart, my friend. It's ending a company with heart. Feel that. Mahaya. That's what happened. For a brief, tiny moment, you showed the world what it was like to operate from start to finish with integrity. I dare you to think that that doesn't have an impact. I dare you. Doesn't feel
0: like much right now.
2: I know, I know that's the grief.
0: Well, you did it. You got me to cry.
2: <laughs> That's not the goal. I the goal is to help you feel. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I'm just bearing witness.
0: Man. I don't like to lose, you know? Mm hmm. I'm, I'm a. it's it's not like type A competitiveness, but uh or maybe it is, but um, I, I've had a career that's really resourceful. Mm-hmm. And we pulled a number of really crazy, crazy wins out of our, out of our hat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it just it sucks to lose. It mm-hmm. just sucks. Absolutely. And I'm
2: not going to bullshit and try to make a silver lining out of uh, the experience of that pain. But I think in the midst of that pain, oftentimes it's really hard for us to see the fullness of the experience of what actually happened.
0: Yeah. What if having integrity doesn't matter? What if that's not a competitive advantage? What if it's a competitive disadvantage? Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Then the world truly
0: sucks. It's not the world I want to live in. It's not the world I'm making. That's it.
2: What world do we want to make? We look at our leaders and say, you said it before, we don't have the leadership that we need. Fuck yeah. So what do we do? Do we stand back and we say they're awful or do we step into the fray? Do we step into the fight? We get knocked on our ass. Time and time again. Okay? Yes. I don't want to live a life where integrity is not as important as financial discipline and financial security. You know, one of the messages that I teach is a message that one of my Buddhist teachers taught me. It's a message of what what is known as warriorship, spiritual warriorship, where one stands with a strong back of fiscal discipline. Good product marketing but the open heart, the open chest your hands are not up in a in a boxer stance but your hands are to your side and you stand with the open heart of a commitment to integrity to ideals to a belief that the world can be better. That stance is fucking hard but I don't want to live in any other world. Yeah. I'll bring your attention to something that one of my favorite writers, one of the people I like to quote on this, um, Parker Palmer. There's a beautiful YouTube video clip of Parker talking about something he calls the tragic gap. You know what the tragic gap is? The tragic gap is the gap between the world that we want to exist, the world that feels like it's out there, the world that we know is possible because on occasion we glimpse it, and the world as it is. And if we stay focused entirely on the world as it could be, we run the risk of living in what he calls irrelevant idealism. But if we give in to just the world as it is, we run the risk of giving into exactly the same kind of lack of engagement. Corrosive cynicism. Fuck it. I'm just going to pursue money. I'm just going to fucking pursue this for my ego. Screw everybody. And what he says we are called to do is to stand in this tragic gap between the world that could be and the world as it is. And that space to me, to use my language, requires a warrior. And that's hard. But as I like to say, you want easy? Go down the street and go work at Google or IBM. You're a fucking brilliant guy. Go work at Google, get paid a half a million dollars a year. Go get all your debts paid. You'll be done. Go. Go. But I don't know, my friend, that you would be living up to, to the calling that is implicit in your self-identified role. I am a witness.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was speaking to one of my teammates before we shut down and I was saying, you know, we're just. We're just training to be Jedis. That's it. That's it.
2: I mean, even Yoda got so pissed off that he went to live alone on that fucking planet. <laughs> right? To keep himself safe. It's hard. Living in the tragic gap, being a warrior in the tragic gap is hard. So here, here's the piece that's, that, that's implicit in that for you. Can you hold on to... That part of you that is called to be a witness with integrity, with values, with an open heart, even when your heart has been punched.
0: I didn't get this far and still have integrity without having had done that before. <laughs> How much <laughs> is this it? <laughs>
2: Probably not.
0: God, I hope not.
2: But that's the resiliency.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: And maybe that's another gift that you teach with your presence and your bearing and with your Jedi-like stance. Okay? The world is always going to punch you in the face. Always. Brad Feld likes to say what fucked up? Things going to happen today cuz something fucked up happens every day. The world is always going to punch you in the face.
0: What do you do? I don't know because I don't want to live in that reality that I'm just going to get punched in the face every day. You, know? it's like, you <laughs> it's learn <boring>. to duck
2: <laughs> as a former boxer, as a guy who boxes. Okay. I don't move my head enough. <laughs> you duck. Thank you. Thank you. Right?
0: Yeah.
2: Right? You, you learn to move. You learn to anticipate. You still go into the ring but you learn to anticipate. I, I really wanna thank you for your honesty, for your bravery, for your willingness to dive into some of the tougher issues here. And I just wanna say, I feel fortunate being a witness to your story. Um, and I can't wait for Catch 2.0, for Tariq 3.0, for the next iteration. Um, because there's something really magical happening here that we saw almost immediately when you and I locked eyes at the Northside Festival. You know, like, and I just look forward to the unfolding of that relationship.
0: Yeah, so, Jerry, let me also say thanks, because I don't know if, you know, founders get a chance to do this. You're doing something really important. You know, I hope that I hope this story comes. I hope this story is interesting for folks. I hope it comes out and um, people can see that a little more clearly because it's it's hard it's hard to live in the 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 press releases mm-hmm. every day when you're getting your ass kicked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think we all. I know I did. Desperately mm-hmm. needed to connect with other founders and and hear some of the some of the. Uh, some of the less glamorous parts to understand that it wasn't just me, (laughs) Mm. you know? And you're doing that. And that's very important for people. Well, thank you. You're gonna make me cry now. Good.
2: (laughs) I guess guess turnabout's fair play.
1: (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode please consider leaving us a rating on iTunes. Your rating is the single most effective way for new listeners to find and enjoy the show. You can also get all Reboot podcast episodes by signing up at reboot.io slash sign up. There's a link for that in our show notes. I am Dan Putt from Reboot, and you've been listening to the Reboot podcast. Thanks for joining. How long till my soul gets it right